actually starting a new series today. The series is called All In. Do you have, do you have a, the, the, the picture for that, All In? Somewhere up there, right? All In. Yeah, so yeah, it's, it's, I'm excited about this series. It's not a series on the World Series of Poker, right? Although that would be an interesting theme to, to play with. But no, it's, it's, this series is going to dive into a very, uh, it's a very Christianese word that is often thrown around church um, here and there, especially when people start getting a job. All of a sudden, when someone starts getting a job, this word begins to start creeping around. People start hearing it more often as if, as if somehow like the moment one of our brothers or one of our sisters get a job, all the leaders get together and be like, all right, it's time to give them the word. It's time to give them this word, you know, let them remind themselves before they waste all their money on something dumb, right? It's, uh, uh, it's the word called stewardship, right? It's, it's stewardship. I know. You guys are like, wow, really? I, I, really? Seriously? I heard the word like, the moment I got my new job, right? Um, it's, I'm, I'm joking. We don't sit around and wait until you guys get a job before we tell you this. Stewardship is not just simply referring to about finances, although finances is a big part of stewardship. Um, stewardship is not, learning, is, not knowing, is not specifically taking care of your financial resources. That's just one aspect of stewardship. Um, it's only one part of the category to stewardship. If you only see it that way, then you really miss out on the, the actual transformation that God has in store for you if you practice stewardship faithfully. See, if you practice stewardship faithfully, this series is going to transform the way you think about everything, right? If you practice taking care of the things around you faithfully, everything, it is going to, this series is going to transform the way you think about not only money, but it's going, to be, it's, going to, it's going to change the way you think about people because we're all stewards of people. You guys realize that? So sooner or later, you're going to be a steward of somebody's soul, right? Whether you are a father or a mother, you're a disciple maker, you're a small group leader, you're a ministry leader, sooner or later, you're going to be in charge of somebody's soul, and that's called stewardship. You are in charge. You are given the responsibility to care for them. So you got, if, you know, if you know what this word means, if you understand the concept behind it, the way you think about people will change dramatically. It will change the way you think about God's truth, right? You've been given the gospel of Jesus Christ. You've been given the truth of God, and you've been given this truth to steward it faithfully, the stewarding of the gospel faithfully. How you take care of it, how you pass it on, how you engage it with believers is very, is very important. It's you're going you're to see the way you, you think about your spiritual gifts. You're not going to see children ministry as a job that no one wants anymore, right? You're going to see you're going to see ministry and gifting of ministry in a whole different light. Spiritual gifts. Not, I'm, not, I'm not talking about talents or giftedness. I'm not talking about how well you are at it. Spiritual gift is something given to you when you become a believer. You could be the most financially sound and business savvy person, but you may be given the gift, the spiritual gift of working with children. I kid you not, but you won't know that unless you try it. That's the problem, right? That's why we keep telling you, give it a shot. You might actually be really good at this, right? Or give it a shot. You might actually be pretty good at worship, right? Or not, but we don't know. We don't know until you try, right? See, see spiritual, you got to be stewards of it. And so and when you find out what your spiritual gift is, you got to be good stewards of that. So if you understand that, it's going to transform the way you look at your giftings, your work, what you do for work, your money, your time. You guys get me? 
right? If we understand stewardship, then our, our whole life begins as all-in process for God. If we understand stewardship correctly, then we will see every aspect of our life as being responsible for the resources that God has given to us, whether it's people, whether it's money, time, whether it's um, our giftings, whether it's the truth, whatever it is, okay? So this series, I'm really excited for it because we, we started this whole year with the theme of uh, faith in action beyond our security. If we understand it, whether we desire it or not, if we call ourselves Christians, we've been given the responsibility of stewardship in these areas. <clears throat> Maybe even hiding from a lot of these areas, making excuses for why you can't, you know, take care of people's lives, why you can't preach the gospel to people, why you can't, right, administer your spiritual gift in certain areas, why you can't, right, um, use your work as a steward for God's kingdom, why you can't use all your money or your, all your money in terms for God's resources, or you, why you can't use your time. And so you begin to kind of separate those things, right? See, the faith in action beyond security theme is for you to take this picture of stewardship and realize, man, I'm all in. I'm, I'm, I'm all in for the Lord, right? And, and I, my prayer is that we, we don't become like the servants that Jesus talked about, the servants whom Jesus gave, you know, to this one servant, he gave this much gifts or talents, to this one, he gave this much gifts or talents, to this one, he gave, you know, one. And th- those who he gave some stuff to, they did their best with it, and Jesus gave them the same affirmation, the same praise, but for the one who decided to stay silent, for the one who kind of pushed their giftings or pushed their stewardship for that uh, goal to the side, to that one, he says, away from me, you wicked servant. And that's my prayer, is that we don't, we, don't, we don't just pick and choose where we want to engage with God in our steward uh, life. We would actually engage them on every aspect of it, okay? All right, so... We want you guys to be game changers, and that means you have to activate every area of your life, not just whatever, not just whatever area you deem as spiritual, because guess what? Every area is spiritual. Your money is spiritual. Your time is spiritual, right? Your work is spiritual. It's, everything is spiritual because everything is God's resource. You guys get me? And so we want you guys to be game changers in all of those areas. So that's why this series is so important. That's why I hope you guys... Stay for the series and continue to come out for this series. This series is going to teach you the biblical principles and heart behind stewardship. And if you understand stewardship faithfully, you will see your life and every aspect of what you do in a whole different light. It will, at least it will push you to recognize either I'm obeying it or I'm not. Okay? All right. So that's where we're at. That's where we're going to be going. So if you guys can just turn your Bibles, we'll get straight into it. Um, Today, we're going to talk about one specific aspect of stewardship. It is the definition of it and how it um, connects to leadership. Leadership as a form of stewardship, okay? Leadership as a form of stewardship. And all Christians are leaders, okay? Go to Luke chapter 22, verses 25 to 27. Luke chapter 22, verse 25 to 27. Let me tell you guys something. If you are a Christian and you love Jesus Christ and you trust him as your Lord and Savior, one day, sooner or later, not if, but when, 
you, or you will actually become a leader, right? There is no, there is no, if I become a leader or if I choose to be a leader, if you love Jesus Christ, if you are a Christian, Jesus, who he says he is, you believe in him, you trust in him, you've given your life to him, you will be a leader. And if you are a leader, right, you have to understand what it means to be a, a Christian leader. For leadership is stewardship, okay? Leadership is stewardship. Leadership over people is stewardship. All right. This is uh, Jesus at the, at the Passover. This is his last supper with his disciples. And he's going to give them last instructions, final instructions about what to do and how to go about their business and explaining to them what does a leader look like? What does the leader in God's kingdom look like? And we're going to try to break down this picture as best as we can. We're going to see what Jesus says is the, the, the way that the world leads and what he intends for Christians to, be, to, to look like when they lead. And then he's going to engage into like, look, if that's the case, what do we do? Okay. All right, uh, verse, uh, Luke chapter 22, verses 25 to 26. Check this out. It says this, Jesus said to them, The kings of the Gentiles lorded over them, and those who exercise authority over them call themselves benefactors. But you are not to be like that. Instead, the greatest among you shall be like your youngest, and the one who rules like the one who serves, right? So Jesus is saying, look at the world around you. Look at the way they, look at the leadership structure. The way they lead is a direct rule. Those who have power rule and lord over those who do not have power. It is a one direction leadership. No other way. It's just one direction. I have the power. I am going to confirm my power upon you and then subject you to whatever I command or demand of you. Right? And so Jesus says, but that's not the way I want you to do it. I want you to be a leader who actually serves. All right? So let me, let me, let me try to break this down in, in, in uh, smaller chunks because it's so important for you to understand this. Okay? The secret of understanding what it means to be a Christian leader is this. Whenever Jesus uses the word stewards in his teaching, in his parables or whatever, whenever he uses the word steward, the direct translation of, of that word from the Greek is okonomos. It means house ruler. Okay? A house ruler, but not just any house ruler, a great house ruler, meaning an estate ruler, someone who's in charge of just more than just a, a single house, but in charge of the building, the property, the people. He manages every aspect of the estate. You guys get me? He manages every aspect of the estate. See, a steward then, a steward is not just someone who rules. So that's, that's the job, right? You rule and you take care of all of these things. Your job is to Tell them what to do, fix the paint, you know, mow the lawn, take care of, buy some more bread for the, the, for the baker this week or whatever. He tells you what to do. He's, he's your ruler. But a steward takes care of the estate of someone else. So a steward is not only a ruler who has direct authority, a steward is also a slave, a servant. A steward has a master, and the master is the one who puts that slave, that servant, um, as the ruler or as the steward over that estate. So when, if, the, if the Bible calls, when, when Jesus uses the word steward, 
what he is trying to imply into each of your life is that if you are to be a steward, a Christian leader, leadership is stewardship, what he's saying is that you are not only a ruler, you not only are responsible for um, the cultivating and growing of whatever is given to you, but you are also a slave to the master, meaning you do for the master's bidding. You do it because it brings glory to the master. You do it because it honors the master. You don't do it because it's for you. Does it make sense? Right? So a steward, according to Jesus, has more nuances than that. So a Christian leader is someone who is both ruler and slave, one who has authority, but one whose authority is also bestowed upon them. And this is contrast to uh, the direct rule or direct relationship we see in um, Gentile leadership that Jesus mentioned, um, verse 25. They have direct rule. They are giving them only thing. They have all the power. They have, they have no one to, to keep them accountable. Everything goes through them, right? But Jesus is not so with you, right? To be a leader, you have to be a servant, a slave, right? So if you're a Christian, then you will be a leader. And if you're a leader, then you will be a steward. Does that make sense? If you are a Christian and you love God and you say that he is your Lord and he is your Savior and you trust him, then this is inevitable. You can, you can argue with me that you will never do this, but if you tell me you're a believer, this is inevitable. You will be a leader, okay? You will lead people's soul. Sooner or later, you will be in charge and been given responsibility of the soul of another person. And if you're a leader, you are a steward. If you're, if, you, if you're given the responsibility of another soul, then you have what? You have both ruler and slave as, a, as the directing course for your life, right? Here's the implication. If leadership is stewardship, then the essence of Christian leadership is to take some sort of resource and grow them, right? The resources could be financial, spiritual, human, personal, or physical. A Christian leader's job will be to take these resources not leave them, but rather take charge of these resources, and it would be your responsibility to cultivate them and grow them. What I mean by that is this, okay? Here you are. You are a Christian leader, and God has given you the resource of a soul, okay? He has given you this resource. He's given you the resource of your church, your family, the people around you, your husband, your wife, your children. He has given you this resource, and you being a leader... You are also a steward, which means you have both ruler and slave mentality. Ruler means you have a responsibility. You have a responsibility to manage, to cultivate, and to grow what God has given to you. Does that make sense? If God has given you a soul, if God has given you people, then you have the responsibility as a ruler to cultivate, to grow this person. But you're also a slave which means you do it not for your own glory or for your own benefit or to make yourself feel good. You do it because it benefits and it gives glory to the master. It is not for your selfish ambition. It is for God's glory alone. Does that make sense? So when you are a leader and, you're stu- and God is giving you the, the, the responsibility of a soul, he is saying, I want you to grow and cultivate this person. But I don't want you to do it because you want to have attention I don't want you to do it because you want to bring uh, more focus on yourself. I don't want you to do it because I want, you want the world to look at you and say, what a great leader you are. I want you to do it as a slave to remind yourself that you're doing it because I have called you to do it. 
You're doing it because it brings me glory. You're doing it because I am your master, and you have been given this task by me. So rule it well. Steward it well. Does that make sense? Okay? So if you're a Christian, then someday, in some due time, you will be a leader over the soul of somebody. You, some, will, some will be granted by God to be a steward leader over churches. Right? Some, there might be some pastors in here. I mean, I'll, I'll pray for you if you ever decide to go down that road. Right? I will fight you tooth and nail if you ever decide to want to go down there. But you, I'm not God. If he wants you to be a steward leader over churches, then you're going to be a steward leader over churches. Right? Some will be granted by God to be steward leaders over ministries. Right? You, you will be given a ministry of people that you are ministering to, and these people are ministering to others. You will be given the leadership responsibility of caring, growing, cultivating this ministry for God's kingdom. Some of you will be granted by God, steward, um, steward leader over small groups. Some of you guys, God would say, it's time for you to get to come and form a small group that you will lead people in your small group, that you will bring people together and bring them closer to the Lord, that you are leaders of the small group, right? Some, will be, some of you guys will be granted by God to be steward leaders over disciples. I think all of you guys are going to be granted by God to be steward leaders over disciples, that you will have a disciple in your life, someone that you are going to grow and cultivate. And let's say by, by some weird chance, you've avoided all of this within the church, right? Let's say by some weird chance, you have just decided, I'm not going to do any of that. I'm just going to be the biggest bum in the world, right, and not do any of that. By some odd chance, you will not be able to get rid of this one, right? Some of you will be granted to be steward leaders over your family. You will be leaders, of, you will be stewards of your family. Remember I told you guys? Right? One of the ways when we did the family thing, right, all in the family, that it's your responsibility ultimately. Ultimately, you, you can't just pass the buck when it comes to your family off it to someone else. You, you, can't, you can't say, oh, this, my dad has this problem, my mom has this problem, so uh, pastor come and fix it, or someone else come and fix it. Or, you know, my sister has this problem, my brother has this problem, someone else go and fix it. Ultimately, it is your responsibility to grow and cultivate. You can bring people in to help, but it is your responsibility. You know why? Because you are the steward of your family. So as a steward of your family, you are given the responsibility to rule, which means to uh, grow, to cultivate uh, growth into their lives, and also to be a slave, which is to humbly do it, not for your benefit, not for their benefit, but for the glory of God, right? You're doing it for him. So, do you guys get what I'm saying? What, what, what I'm ultimately trying to get you guys to think about is this. As a Christian, as a believer, ultimately, one day, you will be a leader, okay? And if you're going to be a leader, you have to understand, your leadership is not about, it's not about direct rule. It's not about direct authority. It's not about, I say, you do. It's not about coming up with a bunch of projects and let everyone else do it. Your leadership, your primary leadership ability and responsibility is stewardship. You guys get that? Stewardship first before anything else. So let me give you an example. Let's say our praise team here, right? I'm going to put uh, Chris on blast real fast, right? 
in a good way, in a good way, right? See, he has a job, right? He has a job up here. He is, God has given him the steward leaders over a ministry. His ministry is worship, right? The ministry is worship. And he has a team, certain people on this team. His role, his role in the, as a worship leader, as a steward of worship, is not just to play music for you guys every Sunday. That's one of the things that comes out of it. You guys get that? His role is to cultivate and to grow. He's his, his a ruler and a slave, right? His role is to cultivate and to grow the people in which he cares for on this team. That means like Lonnie, Lung, Penguin, I think Beatrice, right? That is his primary role to grow and to cultivate them and then to do it not because he's been given a job but because this is for the glory of God, right? And you know what his other role is? Is to cultivate and grow the gospel or grow you as well because the people who are listening to this because he's ministering to you, right? Maybe not as in-depth as he can do it with them, but his another role is to, as a team, actually as a team, their role is to steward that for you guys, to grow to cultivate and grow you guys in worship and learning to appreciate the songs and knowing what the songs represent and understanding how each movement of worship means something. That you're not just here to sing a few songs and then sit down. That worship is a whole entire journey, right? And there's a stewardship responsibility in the midst of that, okay? But here's the question. I know you guys are like, what am I growing them in? Right? If I am a steward, if I'm a leader and a leader is a steward, and a steward is a ruler and a slave, and a ruler is both growing and cultivating, then what am I growing them in and what am I cultivating them in? What am I growing my church in? What am I cultivating my church in? What am I growing my small group in? What am I cultivating my small group in? What am I growing my ministry in? What am I cultivating my ministry in? You guys follow me? What am I growing my family in and what am I cultivating my family in? And the answer is, well, this is what Paul says. Paul says, I am a steward of, you guys are here, of the gospel, right? The gospel. I'm a steward of the gospel, right? When people ask, what are you supposed to grow and cultivate someone in? You grow and you cultivate them in the gospel. That through your stewardship of their lives, what should result out of that is more growth, and more understanding of who Jesus is, not less. It should not be after years of spending time with them that all you know is what good, um, how great hospitality is, right? Or how great, uh, how great, how great uh, fellowship is, right? Or how great it is to connect to people. That should not be what the result of the stewardship leadership is as a leader, as a steward, when you rule over someone, when you're trying to grow and cultivate them in, at the end result, what they should see, what we should see is growth in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Your disciples should have growth in the knowledge of Jesus Christ, not growth in how many boba places they know now, right? Not growth in how many different, their growth should be in how much, who is Jesus and how much they know him. Does that make sense, right? So on the one hand, a steward is a slave, a servant, 
Nothing but what you do is for your benefit. It is purely for the master's benefit. Yet on the other hand, the steward is a ruler. You have real authority over the resources you have to cultivate it and to grow it. Okay? All right, so check this out, man. I want you guys to get this, okay? If you're a Christian, then you are a leader. And if you're a leader, you're not just any leader. You are a steward. Look at the person next to you and say, you are a steward. Right? You are a steward, right? <coughs> right? Now, if you are a steward then, let me break it down one more time. If you are a steward, you are both ruler and slave. If you are a steward, you are both a ruler and a slave. You have the authority, you have the authority to, uh, over the resources to cultivate and to grow it. When you are a steward over your family, you have the authority over your family to grow and to cultivate them. To grow and cultivate them in what, though? The gospel, thank you, right? To grow and to cultivate them in the gospel. And that should be our measuring stick for everything. Everything, right? It should not be how well something looks from the outside. How, 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 how many people we see in services, how big the small group has gotten, how, how crazy the ministry is looking. It should always be how much have the people in whom they are ministering to or being, minister, or, or being used to minister, how much impact of the gospel is actually engaged into their life. How much more do they know Jesus? How much more are they working towards him? How much more are they fighting and they struggling each day to overcome their sins so that they can be more and more like Christ? That should be the limitless. And everything else out of that is just the fruit of the labors. You guys get me? It's just the fruit of it. When that is set, worship, the music, is just the fruit of it. When that is set, evangelism, evangelism becomes just the fruit of it. The ability to do it becomes just the fruit. It just becomes this natural pouring out. Right? You are both a ruler and a slave. All right. But let me, let me, let me get uh, deeper, because we, we talked about what ruler is. We talked about responsibility. We talked about growing, cultivating. We talked about it's in the gospel, right? But let me, I, I haven't really talked about what does it mean to be a slave, though, right? So here Paul, I mean, here G, uh, Jesus is saying, I don't want you just to rule. I want you to be a ruler and a slave, right? I want you to be a steward, you're not just to be direct rule telling people what to do. I want you to be a ruler and a slave. Because the people, the Gentiles, they rule over their people, but not so with you. Verse 26, he says, but you are not to be like that. Instead, the greatest among you should be like the youngest, and the one who rules is like the one who serves. What does it look like then to be a slave? What does it look like then to be a servant? Does it mean that all I do every day is like, let me wash your feet? Right? Every day, let me, let, me, let me take care of your life. Let me, let, me, let me just try to do what you need. Does it mean that you are actually a servant to this person? Right? What does it mean to look like to be a servant? I want to break that down for you, okay? The characteristic, when the Bible says you are a slave to Christ, when you are a slave to your brothers and sisters, when you are a slave to uh, all people, do you know what the characteristic of a slave is? Right? A slave can't quit. His or her obedience is unconditional. A slave cannot quit. They cannot quit their master, right? 
this is hard. This is hard a lot for, for a lot of our Western mindset to grasp. But do you understand when the Bible says you're a slave to Christ, slave to my brothers and sisters, slave to, it means you're committed to, your commitment to them are unconditional. You don't have a consumer relationship with God. You don't have a consumer, therefore, you don't have a consumer relationship to your brothers or your sisters. You don't have a consumer relationship to people, right? Your relationship to them is unconditional. You don't get to say this. You don't get to say, I like this church and I like this ministry because it's meeting my needs. But I don't really like this person or that person, so I, I'll just stay away from them for now. You can't say that because a slave cannot quit. Their obedience is unconditional. They're, when they're a slave to their brothers and sisters, that's unconditional. When they're a slave to all people, that's unconditional. They cannot quit that process, right? And the problem, I know, the problem with that word is, uh, the word slave is that we have the bad picture of the word slave, right? When we think about slave, we think about uh, shadow slavery of the 1700s, right? The, the triangle slave thing, it's called a transatlantic slavery. That's, that's why I found out earlier, right? Uh, the, uh, the, that slavery, we have the sex, sexual slavery that we have nowadays, right? It's, it's a lot, right? So we, we think of abuse, we think of uh, really negative words when we think of the word slave. And you know, I mean, just a real side note, when people tell you that, hey, the Bible believes in slavery. The Bible talks about slavery, right? Yes and no. What type of slavery are you talking about? Because the slavery that you're thinking is like Jim Crow, sexual abuse, you know, sex trafficking, uh, shadow slavery back in the, you know, um, the, the sugarcane field days, you know. That's the slavery you're thinking. The slavery that's in the Bible it's not shadow slavery. It's indentured servitude, meaning you can pay your way in. If you can't, usually people will sell themselves to slavery. They have freedom. They have uh, the right to a lot. They have personal rights in every personal way. They're not property, okay? So when people tell you, like, oh, Christians believe in, in, in slavery too, you know, you guys promote slavery. So, no, what, what do you think? It depends on what you mean by slavery. You guys get that? If, they, if they're thinking all, oh, like, that type of slavery, the negative slavery, then yeah, you're right, but that's not what the Christian believes in. That's not what is in the Bible, right? There's abuses of it. I'm not saying there's no, there's none, but that's not what the Bible is talking about when it says slavery. Slavery in the Bible is indentured servitude. You can find your way out of slavery. And actually, the Bible has, has, has markers that you are to free all your slaves at certain years, right? So it's, it's not the same type of slavery. So we can't sum them in the same way. So Release your negative idea of slavery away, right, as you think about stewardship. It means this, okay? The Bible, when it talks about slavery, it means this. It means you are not qualified to be a Christian leader in any form unless there's an unconditional obedience, uh, unconditional surrender to God and to the brothers and sisters around you. There's unconditional commitment not to quit. Can I say that one more time? I need you guys to hear this because this is something I've always tried to say, and I know it's hard to grasp, but this is reality, okay? When you are a slave to God, when you become a slave to your church and to the people around you, when you are a slave to all men, right, what that means is that you have this unrelenting, committed, unconditional 
devotion to not quit on them. Right? If it means at the moment you take that out, the moment you, you disregard that, you are, you are marked as unqualified to lead. It's the mark of those who give up. It's the mark of those who stop. It's the mark of those who look to their God, look to their brothers and sisters, look to the people and say, I'm done. A steward, a Christian steward, both a ruler and a slave. And the slave says what? I will not quit. To have unconditional commitment to a brother or sister does not mean, listen guys, it does not mean you let them abuse you or walk all over you. Does that make sense? I want, I want to make sure you understand this, okay? I'm not telling you to commit and like not give up on them and just be dumb about it, okay? It does not mean you let them abuse you and walk over them. It means you don't give up on them. That's all it means. Don't let them abuse you. Don't let them continue to do wrong to you. It just means you don't give up on them. You don't walk away from them. You don't stop with them. They haven't bought at a price. You haven't bought at a price. And you hear me preach this all the time, right? If, if you were a sinner saved by grace, if you were a lost cause, have no reason, not special whatsoever, that God will still choose some way, somehow, by his grace to save you, then who are you then to stop and to give up and to say, I will not save them. I will not go the distance for them, right? They have been brought at a price. You have been brought at a price. You can't just hang out with people that are meeting your needs. You guys get me? You can't just Hang and deal with people that are meeting your needs. That's called selfishness. You're not a slave anymore. Right? A slave does not care about his needs. A slave cares about the master's needs. If all you want to do is care about how you feel in the situation, if all you want to do is make sure you're comfortable, right? that's caring for your needs. And you have taken the picture of what God is saying. You are my steward. You are both a ruler and a slave. You live with the unconditional devotion to me. That what you do is to do to give glory unto me, the trust in me. That means you can't just give up on people. Now, here's the question, and here's a big nagging question I know a lot of you guys have. All right, PT, if this is unconditional, if to be a slave means to, have, to not give up on people, to not give up on them, to not walk away, to not stop with them. If it's unconditional, but what if they're wronging me? What if they're doing me bad, dirty? What if, what if, what if, what if they're really toxic in this relationship? How can you ask me to continue, right? That's a fair question, okay? Listen, to be committed to someone does not mean for you to let them trample all over you, Right? I told you that, right? The worst you can do, is this true? The worst thing that you can do in a relationship is to allow that person to continue to sin in their wrongdoing. So if, you're, if you come at this, I'm a servant, I'm, I'm going to serve you, and you're going to be toxic in this relationship, you're going to do me wrong over and over and over and over and over, and it's going to be really bad for my soul, right? 
the worst you can do for them is to let them keep doing that. Because it means that they keep walking and living within their sin. You guys get that? We don't want that, right? Our job is to grow and cultivate them in the gospel. That's our, our, this, is, this is our job as ruler, to provide and to care for this resource, right? Unconditional love does not mean you're not allowed to have limits. You're allowed to say, I can't meet with you like this anymore, right? Or we cannot bring that topic up when we meet, okay? That topic does not do you good. You go way off, and that's just not good for this. Or we can't keep talking about that. That's not giving up on them. That's, that's doing what? You're just changing your approach in loving them. You didn't stop loving them. You just changed your approach in the way you love them. You guys get me? It's okay to set limits here, okay? I mean, I'm a father, and I understand this very, I mean, and I bring up Seth every sermon, you know, because he's just so useful in that area, right? Sermon illustration. You know, if I love him, if I say, oh, I'm a, I'm a, I love him, and, and his, the result of that love is him um, perpetuating his sin, that love is not helping him. You guys get me? And it will be wrong of me to continue to let him do that. So what do I do? I have to love him differently. Loving you like that turned you like this. No. So I'm going to love you like this, and that's going to fix you real fast, right? You got to change the way you love them, okay? If you're showing mercy to someone in the sense of doing things for them, like, I'm, oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'll care for you, yeah, you need me, I'll show up, um, oh, yeah, give me a call, and they're, and they're constantly now calling you over and over and over, right? And you're doing all this, and they're abusing you, they're misusing you. Have you ever had that? You had a friend who you, you love and you care for, and after a while, they just feel like you're just being abused by them, you're just being used by them, right? And after a while, you would say, what do you, what do you tend to say? You say something like, you know what? They just got to learn by themselves. I'm done, right? You know what? Only God can save them now. Forget it. I'm over it. I'm, I wash myself clean, right? You have a tendency to put your hands up and say, ain't nobody got time for this. It's over, right? You offer this mercy, and the response was just abuse, and so I said, I'm done. I stopped, okay? If you're being merciful to someone and they are abusing your mercy, then do what? Change your mercy, but don't stop the mercy, right? Change the form of your love, but don't stop your love. You guys get me? Do not give up on them. I'll give you an example. There's a woman. Um, she's a Christian, and she tells a story about her abusive father, a verbally abusive man, constantly abusing her mom, her, over and over with words. And when she became a believer, she really wanted to love her father, she really wanted to redeem him. She really wanted to show the kind of grace and love that Jesus Christ has. But she realized something. The more she tried to love him through service and all that stuff, the more verbally evil he became, right? He just, just nasty words just keeps coming out. And so, like, it's like, she's like, do I just sit here and be the Christian and just take all this? Is that what Christians do? We just take kids like that? She said, no. So what she did was she'll call her dad, and this is what she'll say. She said, Dad, I love you, and we're going to have a good conversation. But the moment you begin to be abusive, I'm going to click the phone. But don't worry. I still love you, and I'll call you back on Saturday again. And so, you know, they'll call, and they'll talk, and, you know, two, like 15 minutes in, dad starts going off on her, and she's like, click. 
Right? I'm a buyer, and I just click. And then her dad's like, yeah, I got her. I broke her, finally, right? But Saturday, calls him. Hi, Dad, how are you? You know? And, you know, he's like, okay. And he's just talking again. And, you know, this time, maybe within 10 minutes, he starts, you know, going off on her. He goes, click. <laughs> doesn't, doesn't even respond. Just click. Right? Saturday, calls and picks up again. Hi, Dad, how are you? All right? And he starts talking. Gets abusive. Click. Right? He does this. She keeps doing this, but she keeps calling. She, keeps, she changed the form of her mercy from just taking it in all the time, right, to allowing for it to not affect her. Say, you know what? The moment happens, I'm going to stop. To the point where finally she picks up the phone, she talks to him, and they went past their 15-minute mark. They were able to talk through a conversation, right, faithfully. Steward of the family, How? Changed the way she loved. She changed the way she loved. You guys get me? But she didn't give up on her love. A lot of us, we have that tendency to give up. We give up because we're tired. We give up because we're just over it. We give up over and over. And yet God is saying, You are my steward. You are my steward. You are both ruler and slave. That means you don't give up. You don't give up. My obe- your obedience is unconditional. <clears throat> All right, let me just recap real fast. If you're a Christian, then you will be a leader. If you're a leader, then you are not just any leader, you are a steward. If you are a steward, that means you are both a ruler and a slave. A ruler's job is to take the resources that's been given to them to grow it and cultivate it. For a Christian, we need to grow and cultivate in the gospel. It is to measure by the gospel. As a slave, it is our characteristic of not giving up on people. Obedience is unconditional. We don't walk away. We change how we love, but we do not stop love. We change how we do mercy, but we do not stop mercy. Right? And when we lose our energy, we lose our way of thinking, we draw on the greatest resource, the greatest power, and the greatest example, the greatest strength of stewardship possible. Who is the original and the greatest of all stewards? Jesus Christ, right? I'm not going to do it. <laughs> it could be hospitality, apparently. You know, oh, man. You know, our Bible trivia team is doing great in second place. Give it up for Bible trivia. Yeah, man. Bible trivia. You know, the, the, yesterday, the last round for the final Jeopardy, one of the verses, one of the passages was, what, is, what, does, what did Paul consider greater than all things he's ever known, right? And I was like, that's it, dude. That is every message I've ever preached is Jesus at the end of it. There's no way. There's, we got this, right? <laughs> when some kids say salvation, I'm like, that's pretty close. I mean, but you know, you're not there, right? Uh, and then I was like, oh, team. He read it. He said, hospitality. I was like, hospitality? <laughs> the greatest thing Paul's ever considered the greatest of all things is hospitality. Wow, they must have been really nervous, right? But anyway, they did great. They did great. We're in second place for that. So I really think we're going to do it well this year. So I'll give it up for them. I was making a joke for them when they said hospitality. Yeah, but the answer is Jesus Christ, right? He is the original steward, right? 
Jesus Christ is the original steward. Then look, look at verse 27. This is what he says here. Verse 27. He says, For who is greater? Who is greater? The one who is at the table or the one who serves? He's, 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 he's posing his questions to his disciples. Who is greater? The one who's eating, enjoying the food at the table, or the one who's serving? And it's pretty obvious it should be the one who's reclining at the table, right? Is it not the one who sits at the table? But I am among you. I'm here as one who serves. I am here, right? I am the greatest of all, right? That's what he implies. He said, I am the greatest. And what is the greatest doing? Serving, right? He is serving. I want you guys to realize this, okay? Jesus Christ had... <coughs> The responsibility, the care that he cared so deeply that he wanted to grow and cultivate his sons, his daughters, God's children for all time. And what does he do? He gave them himself, right? He gave the world himself as a testament, as a physical testament that tells them that they are loved, that they are cared for, that they are more than who they are. To grow into Christ, to steward them into salvation, Jesus Christ gave himself to them. <clears throat> to renew it, to grow it. And he, he, had, he had all the power in the world, but he chose to be a servant. Right? When... when, when at the Garden of Gethsemane, when, when Peter cut off the ear of one of the, the guards, Jesus came, put the ear back in, like, there you go, right? And Peter, uh, Jesus told Peter, like, why, right? Don't you think that if I wanted to, I can call down all of the angels from heaven and they can wipe this place out clean? I did not come to bring a sword, right? Those who live by the sword will die by the sword. Come to be a servant. Come to serve. And in Jesus Christ, we see the perfect example of both ruler, of he who is willing to go the distance, who will not give up. He will not give up. He even gave his life to show you that he will not give up on you. He could have easily said, I'm done. This is enough. Enough whipping. I'm over it, Right? But to the cross and to the grave, he says, I will endure it and I will take it because I will not give up on you. And if Christ will not give up on you, how can you give up on them? Right? If Christ will not give up on you, then how could you give up on your church? If Christ will not give up on you, then how could you give up on your small groups? If Christ will not give up on you, then how could you give up on your ministry? How could you give up on your discipleship? How could you give up on them? When we lose hope, when we lose our focus, we turn back to Christ for direction and clarity, okay? Christians, you are a leader, and all leaders are stewards. So my prayer is this. Start living your life as stewards. Start thinking of the people that's around you, that God has given you the responsibility 
steward over their life. Okay? As both ruler and slave. Let's pray.